What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Student Built Startups Podcast, episode 20. I'm your host, Cameron Stone, entrepreneur and marketing analytics student at UMD. Today is a very exciting episode. We are doing another update again, and I'm going to be talking about some really exciting stuff, talking about some information about how the podcast has been going, some more stats related to mailing list, listenership stats, ratings, reviews, and also some stats about my website and social media. Along with this, I'll be talking about my up-and-coming podcasting course called Level Up Podcasting. I've been putting in work day and night recording videos, coming up with downloadable worksheets, and coming up with great curriculum that'll help you take your podcast idea and bring that into the real world and launch it with a huge success. Now, at the very end of the episode, I'm also going to share some awesome information that you're not going to want to miss about the six influence tactics in business. Now, I've learned a ton of information regarding influence and consumer behavior from my consumer behavior class this year, and I'm really excited to share some of the things that I have learned with you guys so that you can apply that to your business. Now, let's jump in and get started with the update. So since the last update episode that I've done, I've interviewed nine more awesome people coming from all over the world, many different industries, and just such a unique group of people. And I'm super happy to have all of them on my podcast so they could share their story and knowledge with you guys. Now I'm recording this episode about five weeks in advance. So this is going to be a few weeks behind uh, when it's actually published. But I just want you guys to know it is April 25th as of the time I'm recording this. So all of the stats are based as of this day. I'll start off with the listenership stats of the podcast. So since launch, we've had over 625 downloads of the Student Built Startups podcast with the number one episode being episode number four, the process of becoming a self-published author with Sam Shepard. I am super happy for Sam. He's done some awesome work and I just want to give him a huge shout out for having the most downloads out of all of the episodes. So shout out to you with number two being what's involved with being an independent recording artist from Joey D. So shout out with you two guys. Super happy that you guys have had the most downloads so far. So now jumping into the location of listeners, we've had 90% of our downloads come from North America, 2% come from Europe, 1% from Africa, 3% from Asia, and a small amount from South America and Oceania. So we've got listeners all over the world And I'm super happy to see that our podcast is growing beyond the United States. And speaking about reviews now, so I have received another rating on Apple Podcasts. So we're at five-star rating on Apple Podcasts with five ratings. And I have two reviews, one from Linda Cox and one from Brad Preston from episode 12 of the Student Built Startups podcast. Thank you to both of you for sending me a written review and sharing your perspective on how you feel about this student built startups podcast. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I think I'm going to start doing shout outs for every written review that I get on Apple podcasts. So everyone that's listening, make sure you go leave a review and I'll give you guys a shout out. So that's all that I have for listenership stats. Now we can jump over to talking about some website stats now. All right. So jumping into some website stats 
Uh, on the last update episode, we had over 250 individual sessions and over 500 page views. Well, I'm happy to say that as of this update episode, we are up to 474 sessions and the page views have almost doubled since the last episode as well. And the total number of individual users we have had on the website is up to 321 individual users. So I am super excited to see these numbers and know that I have reached such a wide number of people. So that's the brief overview of the website stats. I just wanted to give you a brief overview of that. Now jumping into some email stats, I have went from 15 subscribers since the last update episode to now having 17 email subscribers. And I have sent over 190 individual emails since the launch of the Student Built Startups podcast. Every week I send out a social media image with a nice quote on there, as well as a brief description of the episode that has been launched. And every once in a while, I email an extra email with some useful tips and tricks. So regarding the email stats, I have an average of a 50% open rate, which is not too bad for an email campaign uh, as basic as mine. So I'm happy to see that. And jumping into some social media stats. So this has been really exciting to see this growth. So since the last update episode, I had nearly double my Instagram followers. I went from 70 since the last update to now having 142 Instagram followers. And I went from 40 Facebook followers to 57 followers on Facebook for my student built startups Facebook page. One thing I'd like to share about my social media plan was I did 30 days of inspirational quotes because of COVID-19 and I wanted to spread some love and joy through that. And I don't think it worked out as well as I expected because I saw that I picked up some new followers from those, but I also started losing some followers probably because they weren't the highest quality videos and they were every day and it might have become a little overwhelming. So I learned a little bit of a lesson from that and I've, I have adjusted my Instagram plan since then and have started to see some positive results from that. So that pretty much sums up all of the stats that I wanted to cover as far as the podcast since the last update. And now I wanted to share some really exciting information about my new course that is coming up soon, which I'm hoping that by the time this episode is launched, that it is already on Kickstarter and it might even be somewhere around the middle to end of its Kickstarter campaign. So I highly encourage you to go check the show notes for the link to that because it will still be open. The Kickstarter campaign will not be ended before this episode is launched. So make sure to go check out that link. A little bit about the podcasting course. It is called Level Up Podcasting, and I've been working day and night, putting in work, recording videos, coming up with downloadable worksheets, coming up with curriculum to help people get their podcast from an idea, planning it, coming up with the target market that you want, um, everything you could think of that's involved with your podcast is covered in this course, and I am super excited to share that with the world and. I'm going to go a little bit more in-depth about what's involved with the podcasting course so you guys can know what to expect. Now, essentially, this Level Up podcasting course is going to consist of 15 modules. There's an introduction module, and then there is 14 content modules. It's going to cover the intro of the course. It's going to cover the podcast foundation, talking about building your strong foundation for your podcast, understanding what you want to do with that. 
Then it'll go into helping you define your show details so that you can craft the perfect podcast title, keywords, description, artwork, and get your social media account set up, as well as the next module, planning your show structure. So creating your introduction, finding the right music, getting your voice over if you would like to have that, planning your episode topics and potential guests, and then also moving into setting up your recording studio, what equipment you need, um, how to set up the equipment, how to set up your room for the best audio quality, um, setting up GarageBand and or Audacity, as well as setting up a filing system for your recordings and podcast. Then jumping into streamlining your application process to have guests on your show. I'm walking you through exactly how to build a form on Google Forms to uh, ask the right questions to potential guests, how to protect yourself legally through the Google Form, how to schedule interviews with your form, and what information you should put on your form about your podcast so that you don't have to repeat yourself. After this, it will cover how to craft an exciting outline that covers everything that you need to cover in your podcast episode to bring the most value to your listeners. It'll cover the different recording tools that you need, such as Skype, Ecamm, Call Recorder, Zoom, and its built-in recording feature, and Zencaster, and what those different options are and how to use those. It'll cover the best practices of recording, where to put your mic when you're recording, how to tone your voice when you're recording. It'll cover what kind of things to cover during an interview, how to give a proper introduction to a guest. Then it'll jump into the audio editing playbook for both Audacity and GarageBand going in-depth on everything you could possibly need to know to edit your podcasts. I'm going through every single tool that I have used to edit my podcast episodes and then a little bit extra just in case you guys need a little bit more information to bring the audio quality that you want so there'll be an, a basic tutorial, an intermediate tutorial, and an advanced tutorial, as well as how to save and export your audio file in the best format. After that, we'll be going into how to share your episode with the world. So setting up your perfect media host, we'll be talking about the different options of where you can host your podcast, how to set up your media host, how to upload an episode to your media host, how to write the perfect show notes, and embedding your podcast into your website like I have on the Student Built Startups Podcast website. Towards the end of this course, we'll be going over developing a pre-launch strategy and how to set up the perfect launch plan for your podcast, as well as some tasks you need to cover during your launch week and how to develop a post-launch plan so that you can continue the growth of your podcast even after you have launched your podcast. That sums up most of what I'll be covering in this course. I'm about halfway done now as the time I'm recording this, so it may change a little bit. But right now I have about six to eight hours of video planned, as well as a full thick packet of downloadable worksheets that you can fill in. You can use the checklist. I have Excel templates of how to schedule guests. It's just got everything that you need. Um, so that's what the course is going to cover. And... I'm looking forward to you guys checking it out if you're interested, um, but I'll move on to the second half of the episode now and share the exciting stuff about the six influence tactics for business. Now, for the second half of this episode, I'm going to be talking about the six influence tactics of business, and real quick, I'll go over kind of how I've learned about these, what's been involved with my education about these influence tactics. Um, so this semester at school... 
I have taken a consumer behavior class from Dr. Rajiv at UMD, and his class has been instrumental in me learning these influence tactics, as well as the context around them and how they apply to other practices of consumer behavior. And also, I have read the book uh, Influenced by Dr. Robert Cialdini, which is a great book. I highly recommend it for anybody who is interested in influence or business or sales. It is a great book. And so the first influence tactic that I will cover with you guys is reciprocation. Now, on episode 12, Brad Preston covered reciprocation a little bit. It is essentially where you give something to somebody and expect nothing in return and just basically do them a favor for free. And what this does is it gives them the feeling that they need to return a favor in some sense. So when you do something for somebody else, they will feel like they have to do something for you. And this rule is so powerful because you can't completely defend yourself against it because somebody can always do a favor for you without asking and without your permission. And it's hard to defend yourself from this. Now, this rule works because it's a societal norm to return a favor when somebody has done something for you. It's not normal for someone to do something for you and not to ever expect anything in return. Uh, As a society, we have this norm that to get something, you must give something. When you use the rule of reciprocation, you do a favor for someone, and then essentially they're more likely to say yes when they need something in return. So a couple examples here are the not-so-free sample. So at grocery stores, they always give samples of their food. Now, this is obviously for a few different reasons, but one of the big reasons is reciprocation in the sense that you're given you're given something for free, and then therefore you feel like you must give something in return so you're more likely to buy that product even if you didn't like it that much just because you were already given a free sample another example of reciprocation is called a reciprocal concession this applies to sales situations so if you're trying to sell somebody tickets to a basketball game let's say for a hundred dollars and they say no i'm not interested in buying basketball tickets for $100. Uh, I don't I don't want to do that. So they decline your offer. Now this puts you in a great position of power because now it's back to you and you can make a reciprocal concession where you essentially change your offer and make it seem as if you're giving them something by changing your offer to a better offer. So you could instead of offering them those basketball tickets for $100, offer to sell them baseball tickets for $42. And they see that as you doing them a favor by offering them a better deal. And they're more likely to accept that second offer because they feel like they were done a favor already. So that's one example of how you can incorporate reciprocation. And lastly here is the rejection then retreat method, which is also known as the door in the face technique, um, which is essentially we can use the basketball ticket again. Or let's say you start off and you say, I'd like to sell you the basketball tickets for $150. And they're like, no, that's a little pricey for me. And you lower that price down again to the, let's say, $90 mark. And they see that change as both a reciprocal concession and the contrast effect has an effect there because there's a large difference between $150 and $90. And when you put $90 next to $150, it doesn't seem like as much. So that covers reciprocation. The next influence principle, number two, is commitment. Now, commitment is a great influence principle because it applies to many different situations. So uh, one great example of commitment is a pre-commitment to buy a product or service. 
So if you tell somebody, let's say that you are going to be selling apples next week and you ask them, oh, would you be interested in buying my apples next week when they go for sale? They're going to be these kind of apples this much. And they say, yeah, I'd love to buy some apples from you. Well, bam, once you got them to commit to a hypothetical situation of you selling apples, they are far more likely to actually buy apples from you in the future than if you just straight up ask them to buy your apples in that moment when you were selling them. So getting people to pre-commit is a great thing to do because they're more likely to commit in advance. And once they have already committed, they're more likely to actually purchase your product later on down the road when you're selling it. Now, another example of commitment is the harder someone has to work to get something, the more they will value it. One example is I've heard of this guy who has a podcast and he actually doesn't make it available on any podcast directories. He makes it hard to find his podcast. He has a long 30, 45 minute process that you have to go through of kind of like a treasure hunt to find his podcast online. And the thing is like once people find it, they value his content so much because they worked so hard to find it and they're lifelong listeners of his podcast and they know, like, and trust him because they had to put in so much work to get that. So that's another example of how commitment can play a role in business. Um, Now, another example of commitment is the foot in the door technique. This is a great technique for trying to sell something. So one example is, let's say, an e-commerce website. They have a pop-up ad that happens and they say, oh, sign up for our email list. You'll receive uh, something in return. So they initially get you to sign up for that email list and say yes to that question that they ask you. So you've already taken that first step. The next step might be to, let's say, purchase a small item. Maybe they say this item is on sale for a limited amount of time. They're using scarcity as well there. Um, But they, they get you to buy this small product, add that to your cart. And once you've added that to your cart, they've taken you to the next step in this process of getting you to the final decision that they want. So maybe you add like a necklace to your cart and then they show you something like a, let's say a woman's dress that would go great with the necklace. Well, they've already got you to one, sign up for the email list, two, add a small item to your cart. And now they've asked you to purchase this big dress, but you've already taken two steps. So once you've taken those early steps, it's much more likely that someone is going to purchase that dress or add it to their cart because they've taken those two previous steps of becoming compliant and acting in a commitment sense. So that covers the principle of commitment. Now we'll jump into the principle of social proof. This is one of the most powerful influence principles that there is. Now, social proof is essentially based upon this. So when people don't know the answer to something, they look to others to determine what the answer is. Now this applies to many situations, many different circumstances. Um, But real quick, some great examples are Amazon reviews, people that are buying online, they've never held the product, they've never heard the product, they've never experienced the product, they just see a picture in a description. Well, how can they know that they can trust the picture into the description? Well, they look at the reviews. 99% of people that shop online use reviews to determine if they should buy the product. That is social proof at its finest because you're trusting other people's opinions over you going to a store and actually experiencing that product. Another great example is testimonials. So if you have videos of people sharing how great the product is, and there's multiple of those videos, that is a great way to use social proof 
to get people to buy your product because they're going to trust the product more if other people are vouching for that product and they are stating that they trust this product. Lastly, another way you can use social proof is through stats. If you can say that we sell this book once every hour, that's a pretty good sign to most people that, well, people are buying this book all over the world. There's one sold every hour. I mean, it's got to be good. Otherwise, nobody would be buying it. So then you're like, well, I should go ahead and buy it. So those are some ways that social proof can have an impact. Now, jumping into the liking principle, which is the fourth principle. Now, this one is kind of interesting. It's kind of weird, but the more someone likes you, the more you can influence them. A great example of this is when, let's say you go to a car salesman. Well, you might notice that car salesmen always try to find a connection with you. They might say, I like really, I really like golfing. The next person, they might say, I like hunting. The next person, they might say, I like fishing. They're trying to build a connection with you so that you will like them more. And if you like them more, you're more likely to buy from them and you're more likely to pay a higher price because you like them. So that's essentially how liking works. And there's a couple different things that can play a role on liking. There can be the compliment thing. So a salesperson might give you a compliment about your shirt, your clothes, your hair before they truly begin their interaction with you so they they can build that liking with you. Um, The way you look has an impact on liking. Attractiveness has an impact on liking. If you present yourself in a clean, well-cut, professional manner, people are going to like you more. Um, And then also contact and collaboration have an impact on liking. If you are around someone a lot, you're more likely to like them and that's going to lead to more influence power. And also collaboration is one of the strongest ways to build liking between people. If two people or a group of people have to work together to resolve a mutual conflict, that's going to build liking between them in a way that is hard to build in any other manner. And the liking there is going to be a super strong bond for the other influence principles to take effect. So that's the overview of the liking principle. We'll jump into the authority principle now, which is principle number five. And authority is kind of scary, to be honest. It's been a societal norm. It's been a part of our lives since we were children. We're always taught to obey parents, obey teachers, obey the government. We are always taught police officers have authority, always obey police officers. Um, All these different things that have impacted and molded our perception of authority even like doctors too. Um, But essentially, authority is a very strong principle and it can be abused by a lot of different people as well. So this might help you not just to take advantage of people with authority. Don't I wouldn't do that, but just to protect yourself from being taken advantage of. Um, And one example that's not necessarily business related, but I know there's a lot of people out there that are always trying to scam people by calling them and saying them that they're the social security or the FBI and that they need you to do this, give them your social security number or something. And they're using the authority principle. there, acting as a authority figure illegally in those cases to try and get you to comply with them. Now this can be applied in a more ethical manner, such as in business. Let's say if I was to open a marketing firm uh, after I graduate I would be able to say that I have a bachelor's degree in marketing analytics and marketing, and I could use that as sort of an authority principle because I have a degree in two fields related to marketing from a well-known business school. So that's one way that you can use authority. Another way would be uh, if you have a certain title like doctor, 
If you have awards in a certain area, you can use those certifications. And then if you have a lot of experience in a certain area, you can use that as authority as well. So finding ethical ways to use authority is a great way to help influence people in whatever way that you wish related to your business. Now, the last thing about authority is your clothes. If you wear professional clothes, the better you dress, the more authority that you're going to have. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to influence people um, and you're trying to get people to take certain actions. Always remember that the way you dress is going to have an impact. Now, the last principle here, number six, is scarcity. This one you've probably seen a lot in the past, especially in e-commerce. People value things more when they're scarce than they actually would value them if they were not scarce. Perfect example is the toilet paper thing that's happened during COVID-19. There's a huge toilet paper run and every store was out of toilet paper because people thought that it was scarce. And the only reason that it was scarce is because people went and bought it. But then the price went up because people thought it was scarce and they valued it more, essentially. People were more willing to pay more for it because they thought it was scarce. Now, this can be applied in a less uh, exaggerated manner through, let's say, e-commerce. If you say this course is only available at this price for the next 24 hours, that's a great example of scarcity. Now, scarcity is naturally a principle that's implied with us as humans because if something's scarce, it's naturally worth more to us, like gold diamonds, uh, maybe food. If it's scarce, it's going to be worth more. Um, Scarcity is just a natural thing in humans, and you can use that in your business in certain ways to get more sales. And a couple different ways that you can do that is both limited numbers, time limits, and using competitiveness such as auctions where people compete with each other, and that builds scarcity as well. So that wraps up the six influence principles of business. And... I'm really glad that I was able to share this update with you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I love some feedback as far as maybe reviews on Apple Podcasts or just shoot me an email or a text if you know my number. Um, Give me some feedback on the episode and other episodes as well. Um, I really appreciate you guys listening. I I truly mean that. If you are interested in the links and the show notes to this episode, head over to studentbuiltstartups.com. And you can find those there. Got all the links, all the descriptions, all the highlights of everything that I talked about today. And also make sure to check for that Kickstarter link to the Level Up podcasting course. I encourage everyone to go check it out, even if you're not interested in buying it, because I'd love for you guys to check out the work that I've been doing. It would mean a lot to me. Um, And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next episode here next week. So I'll catch you guys there.